I want to invite you, if you have God's word, we're going to the book of Leviticus this morning. And uh, <clears throat> thank you, worship team. I appreciate it for helping me out. Are you talking to me, Kelly? Okay. <clears throat> All right. So if you have God's word, let's go to the book of Leviticus. And we're going to be in, in chapter 8 in just a little bit. And um, wow. My, my heart is just full this morning. The presence of God and just want to worship Him. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I believe that the Lord wants to do something. Um, so we go to Leviticus chapter 8. And, um, and I want to begin. We're going to get to that chapter, but we're, we're going to have to do some work this morning. And so I invite you just to kind of hang in there as we do some heavy lifting. Uh, but I, I want to begin with a little bit of a story. And, and it, was, uh, it was my 14th year. I hadn't gotten my driver's license yet. And, and I had found myself, or actually my mom had drove me down to this, this space, this area, where they'd put up the yellow tape. And, um, and about 20 feet from the tape was this door. It was the back of the county courthouse. And, you know, it was one of those back doors. It was kind of like three feet below, you know, ground level. So there was like three steps maybe coming up to ground level. And so you could see about two-thirds of the door. And we were waiting, you know, anticipation of this person that was going to step out. I mean, the news had gotten out and the, the media trucks were there and the lights and the camera. And, and somehow I was a little bitty guy at that time, 14 years of age. And I had been kind of pushed to the front of the crowd right there by the yellow ribbon, you know, surrounding the area, making a, a protected space for the individual and we were waiting in anticipation. I could hear my mom in the background kind of giving me instructions or telling me to behave myself or doing something. I don't know, but, but I just remember her voice. And we're waiting in anticipation of this person making his arrival and his entrance or ex, actually exit out into the, the, the kind of the grass space through that door. And I'll never forget that... Um, when he stepped out, he's about six foot six inches tall and a big old cowboy hat. And he steps out. He had to duck his head to get through the door, believe it or not. And he steps out and he greets the crowd. And as a 14 year old boy that loved horses and and outdoors and hunting and fishing, all the wonderful things that creation offers. Um, I was thrilled to get a view of one of my childhood heroes, which was Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood was filming Bronco Billy in Nampa, Idaho. And, um, you know, we were in such close proximity. I mean, we weren't close enough to get to know him. There's too many people there or, or even talk. But we were we were close enough that we could hear his voice. And we were close enough that we could hear and we could see his attire, what he was wearing. He had a, a leather vest. And, and we were close enough that we just kind of got a feel of what it was like, you know, being by the superstar. And, and it's kind of interesting how we act. Because, you know, when we're near somebody like that that's famous, our, our heart kind of beats fast. Our palms sweat just a little bit. And, and it was just so cool. I mean, to one generation, we'd say it's really cool. To another generation, we'd say that moment was lit. That's what some young people would say. That moment was just lit. I mean, it was so cool to be able to get a glimpse and to be around, you know, Clint Eastwood for just a moment. You know, I was thinking about that this week and then I, I began to think about, you know, I mean, that was awesome. Again, that moment was it was really lit. I mean, it was awesome. But but I, I began to think about how 
how much more awesome, how, how much more cool it's going to be to be near the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I mean, to be in the presence of God Almighty. And, and it's, it's interesting, again, that we get so excited about seeing another human being. But can you imagine being able to see the one who created heaven and earth and the one that put breath inside of you and allowed you to begin to have life? I mean, to be near God himself. You see, that's what Leviticus is, is, is really about. It, it's about under the old covenant, about, you know, people getting into close proximity of God. In fact, again, we've got to do some, you know, background work just a little bit to understand Leviticus chapter 8, looking at verse 23, which is, by the way, a really weird verse. And we're going to get to the verse, but let's remember first there at the end of Exodus that the relationship between Israel and God had been broken. And Moses and his representatives could not even enter the tent of meeting at this point because of broken relationship. In fact, go to Leviticus chapter 1, just flip back there for a moment. We go to Leviticus chapter one and we look at verse one and we read there the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting so notice he's not even allowed to go into the presence at this point why because that's what the tent represents it represents the presence of God and we know that Israel's history God commissions we know this that God commissions one family and through that family there will be those representatives or those priests that will represent of course the people to God and of course they would represent God to the people and we recognize that. In fact, it is so serious as we read, we learn that if a priest enters into the tent of meeting without being consecrated, that they will die. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, I mean, how could something happen that bad? You know, something it seemingly is so bad, like somebody dying. I mean, if God is good, I mean, if God is love, well, it's pure power. I mean, how do we answer that? Well, we, we can say that, that, that God represents, you know, pure power. Just as the sun is good and it brings life, you get too much of the sun, you get too close to the sun, that pure power, it destroys. So maybe the point in Leviticus is understanding, you know, how near or close that we can, you know, get to God with, without being destroyed. Maybe. You see, because God is holy. I mean, we understand this. God is holy. And if God is holy, then everything around God is holy. Remember, it's pure power that we're talking about. And when we are with God, we are in the presence of that pure power. And in Leviticus, the Israelites are learning how to make themselves holy to enter into the presence of that pure power. Now, follow me. How how do they do that? So God gives them instruction and he speaks about ritual and priests and purity. And we know that there's the there's the consecration of the priests. And we read about that there in in chapters eight and nine and ten. And the priests are being consecrated. And there's the qualifications of the priests in around chapters 20 and 21 and, and 22. And we know there is that process that is necessary that brings people into close proximity of God. But then there's also the, the solution of, 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 of purity, which is, you know, the, the laws that deal with the clean and the unclean, which kind of deals with the priestly understanding of holiness. You know, the idea that, that we can be pure, or we can be impure, and, and if we're going to be in the presence of God, that we are to be pure. You see, that's what, that's what these laws are about. And then, of course, 
obviously the rituals and then there are the sacrifices and the Israelites would sacrifice sometimes to say to God, I'm sorry. Sometimes they'd offer a sacrifice to say, you know, to God, you know, uh, please forgive me. Or maybe they're offering a sacrifice to say, thank you. And so we understand it's very natural, you know, to be, you know, unclean or impure sometimes. So what is sin under this law? Well, look at it. What is sin is going in the presence of God unclean. So what is the point of this introduction? That God invites Israel to live in close proximity of God. To live in close proximity of God. Now, there is a video ministry uh, called The Bible Project that's uh, been developed and founded by two young men. And by the way, you can go to YouTube and you just put that in, Video Project or The Bible Project, and you can kind of watch a story of each book in the Bible. And here's how they summarize Leviticus, because they, they do it so well. Here's how they summarize Leviticus. They say there in their video clip, they say Leviticus is about a God who graciously provides a way for people to live in his presence. To graciously provide a way for people to live in his presence. And we're talking about, you know, living in close proximity of God. And I'm just trying to imagine in my mind's eye, I mean, really, what would that be like? I mean, to live in close proximity of God. Well, praise the Lord, (laughs) by the grace of God and his son, we now have a different avenue. And it's by his grace and the blood of Christ that we we are introduced to living in close proximity with God because of the Holy Spirit. But let's go back to Leviticus chapter eight, looking at verse 23. Again, this is a kind of a really weird verse. And so, uh, you know, if I were honest with you, I'd, I'd, I'd need to tell you that I, I, I'm using this verse because I, I just wanted to preach about it. I mean, it's just such an interesting verse in this process of consecrating priests. And here's what happens. Look at Leviticus chapter 8, verse 23. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the toe, the big toe of his Right foot. Now, this is interesting. Obviously, it's highlighting the importance of hearing the word of God and, and doing and following through with his commands and, of course, walking in the righteousness of faith in Jesus Christ. So, so in essence, what are we saying? Again, it's kind of an interesting verse, a, really a weird verse. Well, what is the consecration saying? It is saying that this is a full consecration. It's the full consecration from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet that we're saying that our very life and our very being is for the glory of God. In fact, let's break it down just a little bit. It's, it's, the, it's the tip of the ear, one translation, the lobe of the ear. And if you reach up and touch the lobe for a moment, do that right now. You just kind of touch the lobe just a little bit and you know it's a little sensitive. And so if we break it down, we say, okay, the lobe of the ear, the full consecration, it is the sensitivity of this, the representation of that sense. Only one ear, John, only one. It's the sensitivity of the ear that is reminding us in the consecration process that we are listening and we are being sensitive to what it is that God is saying, how God is commanding us. How God is leading us and it's in the sensitivity of the lobe of that ear that we are responding and we are listening to God for God's glory. And then we go to the, the, the right hand or the thumb of the right hand, which is, it is the thumb that is grasping. It is the thumb and the hand that is holding it. It is the hands, they are the hands that are acting out and fulfilling the commands of God. 
as we really find commandment in the word of God. In fact, in Proverbs, we look at Proverbs around chapter 8, and it reminds us in regards to the lobe. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways and listen to my instruction and be wise. And then in James chapter 1, looking at verse 22, we read, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, but by deceiving yourselves, but be doers of the word. You see, that's what the thumb representation is. And then we have the toe, just kind of moving through this. Then we have the toe, which reminds us to walk in the way of the Lord, to walk in his holiness. And there is a reason for this, because there are so many cases. And in fact, we go to first Samuel chapter 15. So many cases that God commands, you know, his his children, Israel, to to be obedient and to do what he commands. And they do not do what he commands and it ends in disaster. In fact, we think of we think of Saul himself. God commanded Saul there in first in first Samuel chapter 15 to kill the Amalekites and destroy all their possessions. And that sounds horrible. But you see, he did not obey. That's the point. He did not obey. He did not, you know, do. He did not walk in the way of the Lord. He did not walk in righteousness. Again, representing the big toe of the right foot. And what happens is Saul loses his kingship. Because he could not submit and follow the will of God. I, I love the, the story, some of the old stories of, of the greats like Roger Staubach. How many remember Roger Staubach? He was a former quarterback of the Cowboys, of course. He, he, it is told that he once upset Coach Landry because he, couldn't, he wouldn't let him make his own plays or call his own plays like other quarterbacks. Staubach, however, learned that to trust... In the coaching brilliance of Tom Landry was the key to success. In fact, Staubach later admitted, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Listen to that. I faced up to the issue of obedience. And once I learned to accept the authority of my coach, there was harmony and fulfillment and there was victory. As he was submissive to the brilliance of his coach and the the, the coaching that was there at hand. And so goes our spiritual lives as we consecrate ourselves. As we recognize it was the right ear and the right thumb and the right toe. And in that time and that day, it was the right side that had was superior. It was the right side that represented our very best and that we are we are representing and we are giving God our very best as we serve him. And then we look at the consecration. We see the blood. It's blood that he uses, and it's not the fat, it's not the wool. And, and of course, we understand there's great value in those other parts, but, but it, it is the blood that was, has already been established that represents life. It, it means life itself, that blood was used as he anoints the right ear lobe and the right thumb and, and the right big toe. And we could say this as, as, as blood represents life, that that the priestly order brings life. Now bear with me. The priestly order brings life. And this happens in relationship with God and of course with others. Leviticus brings into the focus of God's plan of, of reconciliation under the law. And certainly God is holy and in holiness people would seek him. In fact, the holy condition was required in the priestly understanding of, of reconciliation. Have you ever wondered why people ponder the things of God? I mean, I don't know if you've ever noticed that when you're with people that that maybe are not believing in God yet or people that are unchurched. Have you ever noticed? I mean, I notice this when people find out that I am a pastor. It's interesting what they ask me. I mean, people ask me the strangest things, Dr. Bob. They, they ask me su- such curious things. And, and there is this wonder, there is this pondering about the things of God. 
Well, folks, I want to say that I believe the most wondrous and profound and majestic experience in humankind is in the dynamic and experience of relationship. Because that's what we talk about when we talk about righteousness, right relationship with the Father, and that God has even designed the concept of relationship. And it's in the beautiful experience and the majestic experience of relationship that we experience life to its fullest and all its dimensions. Like the beautiful relationship that I have with my wife. I love that. I mean, the dynamic of relationship that God's given us. Like the the relationship, the value of of the friend that is a forever friend. The the loyalty of the friend that you are friends, your best friends. I'm not just talking about our our spouse or a mate, but a best friend that they are our friends for forever. I'll never forget the Henrys. I met the Henrys when I I was about in second grade. Becky and Byron Henry. They live in Baker City, Oregon, and they're old Nazarenes. And and I, I met them in second grade. And they had a daughter a little bit younger and a boy a little bit older. And I kind of grew up with them. And they, my parents watched them, and their parents watched me. And 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 still to this day, we cross paths with the Henrys, and we are friends forever until we die. God creates that. God created the the power of relationship. We experience that. And and how about the spectacular take your breath away infatuation that turns to love and then marriage. And we start to have kids like the relationship I'm talking about with my wife. And all of a sudden there's a stranger you didn't know. And now you know them. And now you're married and you have this family tree. It is awesome. God creates relationship. And how about the camaraderie, a relationship with a a mighty, powerful team. I, I was in All-Stars as a Babe Ruth baseball player. I got to be in All-Stars and our team won. And we just went right on through to the very end. And man, it was awesome being part of an All-Star team. I, I wrestled in high school and our high school wrestling team were state champions. My sophomore, my junior, my senior year. And I'll never forget the senior year as we're gathered in the middle of the gymnasium. And the student body is surrounding us and the drums are playing. Our fingers in the air. We're number one. We're number one. Man, it is awesome, the camaraderie of relationship. I think about the special forces, the special forces guys that I pastored in Clarksville, Tennessee, there by the 101st Airborne Division. And some of those special forces guys attended the church and we became best friends. And they began to talk to me about their relationships with their team and how they would give their life for the other. In fact, some of them did give their life for the other. The dynamic and the power of relationship, God, God creates that. But you know what the most natural, the most natural relationship of them all? The most natural relationship of them all is when you whisper the name Jesus. When you meet Jesus for the very first time, and I'll never forget when Jesus became my Savior. And I began to believe for the first time at 11 years of age that God was real. And I said, God, I want you to be a part of my life. And there was this flash. There was this this electric life that came alive in me, which was the spirit of God. And salvation became real. It was in the whisper of Jesus name. In Jesus name that I realized that that there was something special in this relationship. I want us to note this morning, I mean, listen to this, that the anointing, notice this in this passage, the anointing is not from Moses. As the priests are being consecrated, you see, to be in the presence and close proximity of God, the anointing is 
not from Moses. The anointing is from God. That's why he uses the blood. The blood that represents the powerful dynamic of life. And then God breathes life into living things. And we see that through the blood. That he brings life into living things. Because why? God is the creator and he created all things. And in creation, God is being glorified. And in creation, we glorify God. Why? Because God created all things. In fact, in first or John chapter 1, not First John, but the Gospel of John in chapter 1, verse 3, we read, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made. See, God is the creator of all things, and life comes from the Father, and we recognize that. Again, I... I mentioned last Sunday, you know, I mentioned the anti-life that is in this world. And I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, and remember the anti-life that brings darkness and the anti-life that is not the light. Because Jesus Christ is the light. And Christ represents the truth of light and everlasting life. But yet there is this anti-life in the world that is bringing darkness. And maybe it's possible this morning if you were honest with yourself. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there has not been life in your life for some time because you're maybe possibly maybe dead on the inside. It's been some time since maybe you've had passion for Christ or, or passion for others. And we were talking about this mission trip and talking about doing missions. And, and there's something that's not leaping to life inside of you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's been a while since you've had real purpose in life. You see, the anti-life does not want us to have this light, does not want us to have purpose in life. Because, you see, the enemy knows that when we, we have this light, Christ, in our lives... That there is this, this feeling of being alive. Because of relationship. <laughs> because we're getting into close proximity of the presence of God. You see, God breathes everlasting life into us. But remember, God does this in relationship. He does this when we are in close proximity of, of the Creator, the Father, and we experience that because we have a relationship with the Father. It is God that brings life to humankind and His Son and the covenant of grace and the redemption story of Christ. Because it's in the redemption story of Christ that we come alive in, in this life and in this world. Because of what Jesus has done for us and understanding that redemption story. Much like the story I read this week about an orphan boy. A true story about an orphan boy that was uh, living with his grandmother. His parents had passed away and so he was literally an orphan besides his grandmother. And the house had caught fire and, and he was on the second story. And his grandmother was trying to get to him. And tragically, grandma, she doesn't make it. She passes and there was a man that was walking by as I was reading the article. The man was walking by and he hears the cries of the boy on the second story. And so the man climbs a steel, one of those old steel drain pipes to the second floor. And he gets in there and he gets the boy and he rescues the boy and has the boy hang on his neck. And, and then climbs back down the steel drain pipe. Well, several weeks pass, several weeks, many weeks. And now the boy is in a, uh, not court, but... In a place where he's going to be placed with the family. There were a couple rich families because the boy was truly an orphan. Didn't have a, a living relative that was present in his life at all. And so the boy was there sitting in the chair with his head down kind of looking at the floor. And a couple of wealthy people had showed up and said, yeah, we could take him into our home. 
the judge trying to decide what to do, but he noticed another man in the back. And that man was patiently waiting. And when he said, is there anybody else? And this man steps forward in the moment that he pulls his hands out of his pocket. The, the crowd kind of, you know, makes a noise in response. And the boy sees the marred, scarred hands of the man that had climbed the drain pipe that was there now saying, I'm willing to adopt you. And immediately the boy's head came up. He sees the scarred hands. He runs to the man and puts his arms around him. And the other people just kind of quietly walk away because they see who the son really wants to be with. You see, in a very like manner, there are some other scarred and marred hands. And those are the hands of Jesus that wants to be with you. Wants to invite you to respond to him. Because you belong to him. He wants you in close proximity of his father. And we get in close proximity of the father through the grace of his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to invite us to do that this morning. I don't know how God is stirring you and where you're at, but I want to invite you to be in close proximity of the father. I began by saying my heart is full and probably because I've been meditating on this word and and what it is that I wanted to say. But but in the great worship, but man. I don't know if you're hungry this morning for Jesus. I invite you to be hungry for Jesus. In fact, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Precious Father in heaven, we just come and we bow before you. And we want to be in close proximity of you, Jesus. We want to feel your spirit. We invite you into our lives. And we pray that, Father in heaven, that you will be glorified as we respond to you right now. Father, I pray for the one. I pray for that individual that maybe they've been distant for a while. But now they're hearing your voice. They're maybe seeing in their mind's eye those marred or nail-scarred hands. Realizing that, Jesus, you are our Savior. And we want to be near you. We want to invite you, your presence into our life. And so, Father, I pray for that one with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I pray for that one right now that is saying, Lord... I want to be in close proximity. I want to be in your holy presence today, Father. I'm just hearing your voice. And God, I'm responding to you. And I want to lift you. And I want to worship you, Father. And I want to walk with you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our voice. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us this chance to live in close proximity of our creator right now. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody looking around. You're praying that, just lift your hand. You're saying, Lord, I want to be in close proximity of you. I want to be near you, Father. I want to be in your presence. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Anybody else, just raise your hand. Say, Lord, I'm praying this prayer right now, just between you and the Lord. And I don't have to see your hand. Only God does. Or your eye, or to see your heart, however you want to respond to the Lord. I just invite you to respond to God this morning. To say, oh God, I want to live in close proximity of your holy presence. I want to experience your goodness. I want to experience your grace. I want to know your love. And so Jesus, I come into your holy presence right now. Pray that right now. Just breathe that prayer. Jesus, I worship you. I'm in your presence. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the whisper of your voice. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to respond, Lord, to you. We worship you, Father. We pray all these things.